Let's pray and we'll ask God to help us. Please join me as we pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for the Lord Jesus Christ, our risen King. We pray, Heavenly Father, that as we look at your word this morning, we might understand it and understand more what Jesus means for us. We pray it in his name. Amen. Well, it's Easter Sunday and today, of course, we celebrate the resurrection of the man, Jesus Christ. According to the eyewitnesses who were there at the time, Jesus Christ was executed in, uh, the reign of the, in the time of the Roman Empire. The Roman governor in Jerusalem, a man by the name of Pontius Pilate, approved his death sentence. And then one Friday, just outside of Jerusalem, some 2,000 years ago, Jesus was nailed to a cross and he hung there until he died. Jesus was laid in a tomb on the Friday evening. But then on the Sunday morning, the tomb was empty. His body was gone. And then witnesses started reporting that they had seen Jesus alive. Some reported that they had touched him alive. Some reported that they had eaten with him alive. Uh, Some 500 people reported that Jesus had appeared alive to them. And a number of those witnesses wrote down their testimony in what we now have as the New Testament. It's an amazing story, a unique story, a dead man who rises again. But the obvious question to ask is this, so what? So what if a bloke came alive again? What's that got to do with us? This stuff happened a long time ago. It happened far, far away. Yes, it is an unusual story, a very strange story, a unique story even, But why would anyone bother to make a holiday on the other side of the world 2,000 years later because of it? I guess you might say Aussies will use any excuse for a holiday, but, but, but do you see the question that I'm asking? I mean, if you rose again from the dead, I would say, good for you. I would probably feel jealous of you. But I would not declare an annual worldwide holiday to celebrate it. So why have an annual worldwide holiday to celebrate Jesus' resurrection? What is the relevance of it to us? Um, The Anglican Church just over here in Roseville uh, has a minister. His name is John Dixon. And a few years ago, John did a survey. He wanted to know what Australians thought about Jesus. And so he contacted 2,500 ordinary Australians. Uh, And have a listen to the result of his survey. He says, among those who do not identify as Christian, he found that 45% say that they believe in the resurrection. 45% of non-Christian Australians in this survey say that they believe Jesus rose again from the dead. They believe it happened in history, but the thing is this, they don't see what it's got to do with them. John Dixon said this of the result. (coughs) He writes, We are staggered. We thought the survey would show the profound scepticism of Australians. Instead, it shows a base-level assumption among the Australian public that accepts the Jesus story, even if it has no relevance to their lives. Many Many Australians accept the historical reality of the resurrection of Jesus, 
but they don't do anything very much about it because they can't see the relevance of it to their lives. And if you think about it, it's a fair question, isn't it? It's a fair thing to ask. What possible significance could a bloke rising from the dead on the other side of the world 2,000 years ago have to you and to me here today? Well, it's with that in mind that we're going to look at this Bible story, one of the stories about Jesus told by one of the eyewitnesses of his life, death and resurrection, a man by the name of John. (coughs) Now, (coughs) excuse me, John doesn't particularly give us any background uh, to this, but um, at some stage, he tells us, Jesus had developed a friendship with a family, a man called Lazarus and his two sisters. As we pick up the story, Lazarus has fallen sick. The sisters get a message to Jesus to come. It seems he's about two days away from them. They get a message to him to come and they obviously want him to come and heal their brother. But Jesus, he doesn't come straight away. And he gives his reason. It's a bit of a strange one. He says he's not going to come immediately so that God and God's son will be glorified. John chapter 11 and verse 1. Have a look with me. John chapter 11 and verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. John will tell us about that in a couple of chapters. So, the sisters sent word to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, last time Jesus uh, was down in Judea, where, uh, where Lazarus is, the authorities tried to kill him. But he decides that he's going to head back to Judea again. He tells his disciples the reason. He says, Lazarus is dead... But he says, I'm going to raise him back to life again. Verse 7. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you and yet you were going back there? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It's when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples, with their usual acuity, replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, bravely said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. They get to Bethany. Lazarus, by this time, has been dead for four days, by the time we've had the trips to and fro and so on. Uh, His sister Martha comes out to see Jesus and she says, if only you'd been here, you could have fixed it. You could have stopped it from happening. You could have healed him. Verse 17. (coughs) On his arrival... Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, 
And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Now we come to an, into a very, very, very significant and very important part of, of the conversation. Jesus says to Martha that her brother will rise again. Now she assumes that what he is talking about is what is called the general resurrection at the end of time. Uh, most Jewish people in Jesus' day believed that there will be a final day of history, a day when God will raise every person to life again, hence general resurrection. Uh, a day when those who are risen from the dead will face God in judgment. Uh, you see the idea taught in a number of places in the Old Testament, and as I say, most Jewish people of the day believed in this general resurrection. Martha assumes that's what Jesus is talking about, uh, about this final day when everyone is resurrected. And so he says, when he says, your brother will rise again, she says, I know he's going to rise again. But it's at this point that Jesus has something uh, historically unprecedented to say, something that no Jewish person had ever thought would happen, something that's completely stunning. Jesus says that he is the resurrection. He says that he is the life. He says it's those who believe in him who will live. Verse 23. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Now those are very famous words, aren't they? But what do you think they mean? They're actually not all that easy to understand. In fact, they've been messing with my head for the last couple of weeks. In fact, I found the more that you think about them, the more confusing they are. What does it mean that Jesus is the resurrection? What does it mean that he is the life? What does it mean he who believes in me will live even though he dies? How do you live if you're dead? Is that kind of some, some sort of zombie thing going on here? What does he mean whoever lives and believes in me will never die? If you're alive and you believe in him, you won't die. Well, that can't be right, can it? Thousands, millions of Christians have believed in Jesus and yet have died. What does it mean that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? What does it mean to live even if you die? What does it mean that if you live and believe in Jesus, you'll never die? Well, let's take one question at a time. What does it mean that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Okay, let's try to pull together some clues that, 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 that we've got. Uh, Martha, what's she talking about here? She's talking about the general resurrection, when everyone will rise from the dead to face God's judgment. So that's got to be the idea of resurrection that Jesus is picking up on. He's saying that somehow he is this general resurrection. Now, earlier on in John's Gospel, Jesus has spoken about the general resurrection, and he said two very significant things about it. First, he claimed that he would be in charge of it. He said that he would call... 
and everyone would come out of their graves to face God's judgment. And second, he said that there will be two very different destinies for people on that day. Some, he says, will rise to live, to life, but others will rise to be condemned. And Jesus said, and I've put this on your outline from John chapter 5, because I think this breaks the whole thing open. A time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice. He's talking about his own voice. Will hear Jesus' voice and come out. When all who are in their graves will hear Jesus' voice and come out, some will rise to live and some will rise to be condemned. Okay, store that in your mind. What else do we know? We also know that Jesus himself will be resurrected. This has got to have something to do with his resurrection, surely. Um, Of course, Jesus is not resuscitated like Lazarus will be in a moment. He doesn't rise in this life to die again. No, no, no. Jesus rises as part of the general resurrection, but not at the same time. So so it's like the general resurrection is brought forward for Jesus. He's the beginning of it, the start of it, something like that. So Jesus is resurrected, but he's saying more than that here in John chapter 11, isn't he? He's not just saying he'll be resurrected. He's saying he's the resurrection and the life. So what does he mean? Let's pull it all together. Here's what he must mean. He must mean that he is the key to your resurrection. At that last day, you and I and everyone else will be raised to life. You and I and everyone else will face God's judgment and Jesus is here claiming that he is the one who will do it. He is the one who will call us out of our graves. He is the resurrection. More than that, even more than that, he says, he is the life. In other words, if on that last day we are going to live rather than be condemned, it will be through Jesus alone. He is the one who can give eternal life on Judgment Day. And so when Jesus goes on to say, he who believes in me will live even though he dies, he's not talking about being a zombie. He's talking about after you die or after most people die and the final judgment happens, receiving eternal life then. He who believes in me will live even though he dies with that eternal resurrection life on Judgment Day. He's not talking about this life, he's talking about that life. Those who put their faith in him will receive eternal life And then when Jesus says, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die, he must still be talking about that life. He's not saying if you believe in him now, while you're living, you'll never die here on earth. Can't be right. Of course, we'll all die unless Jesus comes back. He's saying if on judgment day you receive that eternal life that he gives, you will never die again. See how it works? Let me try to pull it together and summarise it. Jesus is saying that the final resurrection is all about him. He will be the first to be resurrected and he will be the one who resurrects everybody else. He will call and everyone will come out of their graves and it is only through relying on him that anyone can be raised to to live. He is the difference between being raised to live or being raised to condemnation. That is a big thing for a bloke to claim. Don't you reckon? That's a pretty big call here. I I know I I say this a lot, but if Jesus is not who he claims to be, he wasn't a sane person. He wasn't a nice person or a a good teacher or a a, political interesting person or something like that. No, no, no. 
I mean, if you said this, if you claimed to be the one who will resurrect everyone at the last day, if you claimed that you are the only one who can give eternal life, we won't believe you. In fact, we will probably call for men in white coats. It's not a normal thing for somebody to say. But then there is this whole thing about Jesus rising from the dead. The reason we're here today. I mean, if that happened, it does lend some weight to what Jesus is saying, doesn't it? If Jesus actually did rise from the dead himself, that gives quite a bit of credibility to his claims. Wouldn't you say? It makes him different from you and from me. Jesus says the way to have eternal life is to believe in him. And and that's what he then asks Martha. He says, do you believe? She says, yes, I do. I do believe you're the promised Messiah, the the Son of God, the one who is to come in the world, the one who's the ultimate king, the one who will be the ultimate judge of the world. The end of verse 26, Jesus asks Martha, do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who was to come into the world this point we kind of change scenes martha heads off to tell her sister mary that jesus is there mary comes out and i don't know if they're twin sisters or something but she says exactly the same thing that her sister does if only you'd been here you could have healed him verse 28 and after she had said this she went back and called her sister mary aside the teacher is here she said and he's asking for you when mary heard this she got up quickly and went to him now jesus had not yet entered the village but was still at the place where martha had met him When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus is deeply moved by all of the grief around him. He is saddened, he is angered by death and by the pain that it brings. And I've got to say, I find that very um, encouraging. As Christians, we don't have to be sort of um, glib about death. It's all okay, Jesus is... No, 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 it's okay to cry. It's okay to feel pain. Death is still the last enemy. We don't grieve without hope. But like Jesus, we can still grieve because death is still terrible. Jesus is sad and he is angered and he asks to be brought to the tomb. Verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Jesus asked them to take the stone away. Martha says, hang on, he's been dead four days, he's going to stink by now. But Jesus has something amazing in store. He is not going to wait until his own resurrection to show that he is the resurrection and the life. Uh, He is not going to wait until he calls everyone 
at the final resurrection on Judgment Day. And he's not going to wait until that day when he calls everyone out of their tombs to prove that resurrection and eternal life come through faith in him. No, no, no. Jesus is going to give everyone a foretaste. Jesus is going to give people a glimpse of the future, a glimpse of the glory of God, a glimpse of the glory of God's Son, a present proof of the truth that he claims. Jesus calls, by name, Lazarus out of the tomb. Lucky that he calls Lazarus by name, because if he just called, everyone would come out. But he calls Lazarus by name to come out of the tomb, just like he is going to call everyone else out of their tombs on Judgment Day. Jesus calls to the dead Lazarus, and like we all will on that last day, Lazarus comes out of his grave. In front of all these witnesses, Lazarus, who has been dead for four days, is brought back to life at the call of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 39. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I am sure that you agree with me on this. This is not an ordinary thing to happen. Try it sometime you're not going to get the same result. Head over to Macquarie Park Cemetery and call somebody out of their grave. I've tried it with my grandparents who were there. Sipora, come out. She didn't come. She stayed dead. But it happened for Jesus. Jesus calls and Lazarus comes back to life out of the grave. That is a sort of proof, isn't it? A proof of what Jesus has claimed, that he is the resurrection and the life, that that a day is coming when he will call again and when all the dead will rise and when, when whoever believes in him will have eternal life and eternal life that death can never take away. It is a unique proof, a a little foretaste, a little picture, and it shows us that what Jesus is claiming is not crazy. He's not like everyone else, not anyone else can call dead people to life. This is not, what Jesus claims here is not the deluded ramblings of a madman. No, no, Jesus showed the truth of his claims. He called and the dead came to life. And of course he went on to give an even greater proof, didn't he? The proof that we celebrate today, Jesus himself rose up from the grave, not like Lazarus resuscitated only to die again. No, no, Jesus rose to life with this new life of the general resurrection. Jesus rose to life never to die again. Friends, here's the thing. Just one one simple point that I want to make about all this. Here's the thing. This is why Jesus is relevant to you and to me. This is why he matters for you and for me. Jesus is not just the resurrected this Sunday. 
No, no, this Sunday, Jesus is the resurrection. This bloke who rose from the dead, he is the key to your eternal future. He claims that he will resurrect us. He claims to be the difference between eternal life and eternal condemnation. Do you know what? That sounds relevant to me. Don't you reckon? That sounds like it matters. Where you spend the rest of forever must surely matter. If Jesus actually did raise Lazarus from the dead, if he actually did rise from the dead, as all the witnesses say that he did, it's got to matter to you and to me because of his claim to be the key to our eternal future. The author C.S. Lewis once wrote an essay about Christianity and he puts this so beautifully. He says this, I've put this on your outline, I think it's a lovely quote. He writes, Christianity, if false is of no importance and if true is of infinite importance the only thing it cannot be is moderately important friends I guess it is possible that all of the 500 witnesses who saw Jesus alive again and ate with him and and, and touched him I guess it is possible that all 500 of them got it wrong I guess that the many witnesses who went on to be persecuted and killed for saying, this is what we saw, we saw him alive, we saw him dead, we saw him alive again. All the people who were persecuted and murdered and killed for, 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 for bearing that testimony, I guess it is possible that they were somehow mistaken. From my careful study, I personally can't see how it is possible, but I guess it is possible that Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. But I tell you what, one thing is not possible. It's not possible that this is irrelevant. If this is true, then your forever is at stake. Surely no sensible person can think that their eternity is irrelevant. Friends, I'm convinced it's true. I'm convinced that what we celebrate today happened in history. Jesus rose again from the dead. But more than that, more than that, I'm convinced that this proves what he says to be true. He is the resurrection. He is the life. Whoever believes in him will live even though he dies and whoever has that life will never die. So friend, can I, can I encourage you? Can, can, can I beg you? Please do not ignore this message. Check it out. Find out the truth of it for yourself and respond to it. Don't just hope it'll go away. It won't go away. Please turn your life over to the resurrected Jesus. Ask him to be your saviour, your Lord. And friend, if I can help you in any way to do that, please come and talk to me or please come and talk to Warren or talk to the person who brought you. We, We would love to tell you more. But for now, let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for the Lord Jesus Christ who rose again from the dead and defeated death once and for all and now is the resurrection and the life. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the perhaps millions of Australians who believe that Jesus rose again from the dead and yet do not see the relevance of it. 
We pray for them and for ourselves that we might never treat lightly the resurrection of Jesus, but that we would hand over our whole life and destiny and future and hope to him, our Saviour and our King. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.